welcome into the Pro Football Show. I am Chris Landry. It is Tuesday, May 5th, as we lost one of the all-time greats, uh, Coach Don Shula passing away. Thoughts and prayers out to the Shula family, the NFL family. Um, what a great life. And we're going to talk a little bit about Coach Shula and the celebration life, 90 years old, uh, and many great years, and for the most part, been really good health, and uh, obviously uh, made such a impact into South Florida, and what better place to settle in but right off Biscayne Bay, and just beautiful veranda, um, great uh, place, and obviously great uh, history in Miami, great impact into the NFL, so... Um, we say goodbye to him and we'll talk a little bit about that. And certainly we've got some um, news around uh, the world of uh, football, uh, NFL, transactions, and uh, some news around the league, talking about some personnel and some players uh, that uh, coming out uh, in this past draft. And we're going to take a look as we are continuing to do. We're going to wrap it up. By Thursday, we should be able to get it done. We're going to take a look at the NFC West today and uh, recap uh, the draft that was for the programs, the, the teams, I should say, uh, in uh, the NFC West and talk a little bit about their recruiting. So I'm going to do that with the Cardinals, the Niners, the Seahawks, and the Rams. Of course, we have uh, talking talked about the AFC West yesterday, and last week we talked about the East and the North teams in both the AFC and the NFC. So we're working our way through the league. want to remind you this podcast brought to you by 401k Generation. The great folks at 401k Generation are the experts in financial planning, uh, in money management, investments. Um, they can help you achieve financial security, financial independence, financial health. They're licensed in all 50 states, and we recommend that you give them a call. A no obligation phone call or text at one eight six six nine nine eight five eight seven nine. They're licensed in all fifty states, so they can help you regardless of where you are listening to this podcast. So uh, give them a call, give them a text at one eight six six nine nine eight five eight seven nine. And if you are interested in promoting um, your business or your brand. Um, you can absolutely uh, let us know. We can do that. I mean, we'd love to partner with you. We want to see if it's the right fit for you, for us. But if you send uh, a message over at contactchris at landryfootball.com, we will absolutely get in touch with you and see if we can make that happen. Make sure that you're checking out um, this podcast each and every day. Make sure it goes right to your phone, and you can do that by signing up for Landry Football's conference call. It's where you can find all of these podcasts. You can listen to the college podcast each and every day, and you can catch the pro football podcast like this one each and every day. Uh, and, of course, LandryFootball.com is where you can get the most detailed inside information on the college game, the pro game, in our notebooks each and every day. Um, we are starting features that we had couple of things we put up. We had uh, our early look at the 2021 NFL draft, the initial draft board checklist for 2021. Uh, you'll be interested to check that out, as well as our um, look at 
top prospects, uh, coaching prospects, a lot of college guys, a lot of NFL guys, about how they may um, turn out as prospects uh, and uh, certainly up-and-coming guys. So you want to stay on top of that, and those are the type of things that you can get. Uh, a, a feel for how I evaluate coaches and why that where they're kind of stacked, it doesn't necessarily mean that's automatically how they're ranked because – uh, every situation is a little unique and trying to find that. It's a little bit more universal in the NFL. Um, it differs from organization to organization in the NFL, but there's more symmetry between one NFL team and another as opposed to college where there's just a vast difference between one job and another. So not every coach is the best fit for every job. It's, it is about understanding a fit and a dynamic of a situation. And I do think – um, we give you a good indication of how I evaluate coaches, the process. So I think you get a good feel for who's out there and who's who the names you need to keep on the short list going forward. So um, as I mentioned, we lost Don Shula, uh, 90 years young, coached from 1958 to 1995, most notably 26 years with the Dolphins. A 257, 133, and two record, 66 win percentage with Miami. The only, to this day, the only man responsible for enabling an undefeated season. The Hall of Fame coach was set to turn 91 next January. Um, obviously, he's won more games than anybody. Um, he was in 26 years as coach of the Dolphins. 26 years, 31 playoff games. 17 playoff wins, two championships. If you look at the Dolphins since, it's been a nothing short of a mess. 12 coaches, 29 years, 10 playoff games, three playoff wins, no championships since he left. Um, but, you know, it's, it's ironic, and I always say this. When you hear about people criticizing whether it's a Kirby Smart, he's not winning enough, or this guy can't win this enough, or let's get rid of Mike Tomlin, or they, whatever, from good coaches. Don Shula was known as the guy who couldn't win the big game. Just like in college, Tom Osborne couldn't win the big one, or Joe Paterno couldn't get to the big I mean, some of the great coaches were never good enough to win the big one until they did. Don Shula was in Super Bowl three, and at that time the biggest upset in pro football history as the AFL certainly was not ready to beat the NFL. Super Bowl three, you know the story. Um, it was Joe Namath, Weave Eubank. Um, they beat the Colts, coached by Don Shula. And the coach, Coach Shula, gets the Dolphins in the Super Bowl. So he makes the move. Carol Rosenblum is out of town. And the upstart, you know, Joe Robbie wants to hire um, Don Shula. And they strike a deal, unbeknownst to his dad, Carol Rosenblum, who was in a fit of rage when he found out, but he goes to Miami, runs the Dolphins, 
So that's the old orange bowl of flitter with, you know, building a great program. Goes to Super Bowl and plays in Super Bowl six against the Cowboys. And just gets beaten up. And, of course, he gets beaten up by another guy that couldn't win the big game, that loser Tom Landry that, you know, everyone said couldn't win a big game until he started to win them. With Don Shula, the Dolphins didn't play well at all. They got beat up. And, again, it's two losses, two Super Bowls, can't win that big game, yada, yada. Then that was the impetus after that game. He told his, we've got a good team coming back. And the singular focus next year is where we want to be present each and every game. We want to have a single focus of each and every game, game by game, series by series. And that led to the night 72 season in which they um, – went unbeaten, the only unbeaten team ever. And they beat George Allen uh, Redskins team, which they were underdogs in that game, mainly because, quote-unquote, Don Shula couldn't win the big game. And, of course, he did, and he won two titles and a bunch of other games. The Dolphins under Shula were great. They were so good in the early 70 years. And then the Steelers came along, and the Raiders were very good, too. Um, The Steelers began to get very good in the 70s and became the dominant team of the 70s. And I got to tell you, some of the best games ever were the Dolphins and the Raiders. The the Sea of Hands game was just phenomenal. It's a tough, tough loss for the Dolphins in that game. Um but the Dolphins, and then again the the Steelers and the Raiders. It was kind of the the uh, the Dolphins, and then then kind of the you know the Raiders were 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 good, really good. The Steelers came along and then became in the uh, immaculate reception game. Um, the Steelers won that game, of course, against the Raiders, and then were able to beat the Dolphins, and so. Um, you know, those are the, the type of um, games with those three teams, three organizations that were so really good. And, and it was really, um, as we got towards the late 70s and the 80s, we saw Shula with Dan Marino. And I think that's what was most impressive, that Don Shula coached against Paul Brown and Vince Lombardi. But... He also coached against the modern day, the Bill Belichicks of the world and the Bill Cowers of the world. I mean, he coached a long time. And of the older guard guys, he was the quickest to adjust and modify what he did more than anybody. I mean, in the 70s, it was a running league, a running team. Creasy and Morrill hand the ball off to kick and Zonka and Mercury Morris and Kuchenberg and Larry Little and Jim Langer. I mean, they were, they were just a really good offensive line and ran the football well. They had the no-name defense. 
that Coach Orange Parker, who I'll talk about in a second, uh, they they were a great, great team. Now, as they move along and they draft, the Dolphins do Dan Marino, they became a passing team with Duper and Clayton and Cephalo. I mean, they were throwing the football all over the lot. They got to the Super Bowl with Marino, didn't win it. But, uh, you know, some great games, some great moments. The game against the Chargers and the Orange Bowl was a classic. You know, we look at games and we look at teams and we look at moments. And, you know, we talk about how, man, some of the like the, the Orange Bowl, <laughs> the Orange Bowl was having coach there and it, it, it was a dump. But, man, was it, was it a great setting for some great football games. And when you're sitting there enjoying it and watching it, what a pleasure to look at a venue like that and some of the great games. And you had, you know, in a short time frame, you had um, the Dolphins and the Chargers in the Orange Bowl uh, playing that great, great playoff game. The Chargers move on and end up playing Cincinnati and losing to the Bengals in that bitter, bitter cold game. And the Bengals losing to the Niners in their first Super Bowl in Detroit. Dome, um, but then you had the the, the great um, Miami Nebraska national championship game in the Orange Bowl. So many great Orange Bowl games in the Orange Bowl, um, and so much of what I remember. And the Dolphins had their they had their little like the the Steelers had the terrible towel, the yellow you know towels, gold towels, and the Dolphins had their white towels, their little, and it was a sea of white and dolphins. And, you know, it was a, it was a great time. It's not been anything like that. I think probably the only thing that would be close because the Miami hurricane run was, was great. And they had their passionate fan base, no doubt. But, you know, Miami's a pro sports town. A lot of, you know, uh, transits come in there. Other than the little run of the heat with LeBron and, Dwayne Wade and that crew, I mean, nothing's been quite like it. Nothing in baseball. You know, since the Dolphins were the Dolphins under Shula, it just hadn't been the same. And I just gave you the record. No one's really done anything. And it's a crowd that just becomes very apathetic. They've just got, much like California, a lot of things to do. So if you don't do it well, they're not going to – they're just – there's going to be apathy there. Coach Shula made it the it thing. It was, you know, the big, you know, he built that. That's what he's going to be known for. Um, Coached some great teams. I got to know him a little bit. I didn't know Coach Shula very well. Got to meet him a few times, spend a little time with him, with Coach Orange Parker. Coach Orange Parker was one of my mentors. Uh, Coach Orange Parker, as I mentioned, was the famed defensive coordinator for all those years with uh, Don Shula the Dolphins, um, Coach Orangebarger and Don um, met at Kentucky working for Blanton Collier. And, um, of course, uh, you know, that's kind of where that connection started. And, of course, they're together in Miami. And Coach, um, Coach was um, was a was a guy that meant a lot to me, and 
Um, hearing a lot of Shula stories and getting a chance to get to know Coach Shula a little bit was certainly an honor and a pleasure. So we, again, sent our best to the family and um, know that what a great celebration of life it was um, in a, um, you know, 90 years old. And I think I mentioned over on the college show earlier today that you know, Bud Grant is still with us, 93. I'm trying to think. Uh, we don't have many of them that are in that age bracket that uh, have been around a long, long time. Been great. But uh, we salute Coach Shula. We move on, and uh, we announce, and we mentioned to you on uh, yesterday's show, and we've mentioned it for a few days over at LandryFootball.com, that we weren't going to have any international games this year. It was wait for the the official word, but it wasn't going to happen. And we got the official word on Monday that Roger Goodell made the decision after consulting with the clubs and national and local governments and the Players Association, the medical authorities, the international stadium partners, everybody that traveling across the border won't be among the available options. I don't expect the Navy and Notre Dame game to go off either. You know, we don't know about the status of the college season. Those things are done individually, not handled by any league or what have you. So nothing's been determined on that. But I would think that is going to be a no-no. Traveling abroad right now is it's tougher to have control over things nationwide. It's tough to have control over things within your own country as opposed to going outside um so that is official some transactions around the league panthers waived running back marcus murphy uh on monday he was uh was signed on a futures deal back in december uh it's not been real productive for him not a surprise there the seahawks wave Defensive tackle Nazir Jones, he was the third-round selection uh, for them in 17. Played in 20 games, two starts. Um, they haven't played, a, gotten a whole lot of play on the interior of their defensive line uh, from him. The Colts declined uh, the fifth-year option on Malik Hooker. He's yet to play a full season for the Colts. Played in 34 of a potential 48 games. Um, that's the real issue. Just like last year, he dealt with hand and knee and foot injuries. When he's been on the field, he's played well. I, it, this is an indication that they're not going to commit to him because of his availability. This is a guy that hasn't been a disappointment on the field. It's been a disappointment with his health. And, again, nothing against him, but to make a long-term commitment is going to be the issue. Now, if he plays well and he's healthy – We'll see. That's where he can earn a long, long-term long uh, contract with someone. But um, we've had uh, a lot of these guys' uh, fifth-year options have been declined. The Cowboys have waived Cooper Rush through the three regular season passes for the Cowboys this past year. Prescott has started 64 of 66 regular season games since being drafted, so Cooper's not had much time. They've got Andy Dalton that they just signed, of course, and that was the casualty on the roster, certainly an upgrade from a backup standpoint. The Cardinals declined Hassan Reddick's fifth-year option for 2021. Impressively played in all 48 possible games with Arizona since joining the team. He was the 13th overall pick in 17. Um, He was a hybrid type of guy, if you remember. Um, 
he's, um, you know, I think a good player. A little bit surprising that they didn't pick it up. But when you look at the number, um, they're they're moving on and, and clear that who they drafted with Isaiah Simmons, I think they see this is going to be a better version than what Hassan Reddick can be in a much cheaper one on a rookie contract. So I think that's the reason behind that move, quite frankly. Uh, some other news around the league. Uh, Odell Beckham with the Sports Herner has posted a video showcasing his workouts, doing pretty well. Um, he said the surgery was really, really difficult, but it's making good progress. Uh, Carson Wentz came out and confirmed that he suffered a concussion in the wild card loss to the Seahawks. He exited the game, if you remember, following a hit by Jadavian Clowney, uh, just four passing attempts. Um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, interesting to see. He also said he's not concerned about, you know, um, Jalen Hurts being drafted and what have you. Um, some other um, thoughts around the league. Um, Sean McVay got said that he feels they got three good backs that they can rotate, uh, referring to Cam Akers and Todd Gurley, um, Kevin O'Connell is the offensive coordinator and dealing with multiple backs is something that they're used to. I think they want to go by rotation, obviously. They understand the importance of having good backs, and we talk about it a lot, the crash and burn factor with running backs. We know I think running backs are still very important, but the fact that they are the least durable, the most volatile position, that you have to have them in rotation, it just means that paying for one of them tons of money becomes a little bit counterproductive and uh, they're going to go by rotation this year. Um, back to the Eagles, some thoughts that I had that they had. Their plan for Alshon Jeffrey is to be a big part of the offense. So he's rehabbing from the Liz Frank injury. They feel like uh, he adds plenty of speed to their offense, um, and he can be a real big factor. Obviously, Jalen Rager is going to be added, so we'll see how this plays out. Um over in New York, the Jets are talking about lessening the load from Le'Veon Bell. Uh, obviously, they need to get the younger backs going to kind of keep them fresh. And, of course, I don't think that this is something that Adam Gase philosophically believed was a good idea to put that much money into one back, as just for the reasons that I mentioned. But uh, they've uh, they've added some help on the offensive line. We'll see um, how this will play out uh, this year. Um, with the rotation. Uh, some interesting thoughts post-draft. Uh, peeking around the Panthers, Matt Rule was a little bit more interested in moving out of the seventh spot down. I don't know what real offers that they had, but he was a little bit more in tune to moving out of that pick than um, general manager Marty Herney. It's be interesting to watch. Marty Herney's not a, a real football guy. He's come from an administrative end. Um, what I think you're going to see is eventually, I don't know about power struggle, but I think you're going to see Coach Tepper and what he's given Matt Rule. Matt Rule knows that 
And he's got a lot of stroke right now. And I think as things maybe go along, let's watch this this year. Uh, I expect Matt Rule to have a lot of control and a lot of say-so and and get a little bit more control in the organization. And maybe Matt Rule bringing in his own guy. I know everything has been said in a very positive way, but that been around this stuff, and uh, that's something that bears watching, that relationship. The Ravens, we talked about it, nauseam how good their draft was. J.K. Dobbins in the second round was great value. Um, they love – look, you think about the value of a first guy they got a first-round grade on. They get him. But they also remind you they are the most run-oriented team in the league. And we remind you, and we tend to forget, because they didn't advance in the playoffs. But they had – the best running game, and the best record in the league. And why not have another back that can be a big, big factor for you? So Mark Ingram's there and running back that can run, but having a guy like Dobbins is a really big fit for them. Over in Indianapolis, the Colts already have early plans for Michael Pittman to be the team's ex-receiver. They obviously like the guy. They like what he can bring in terms of playmaking ability. Um, they like the fact that he can get off of press coverage, um, a big-time talent. Uh, I think he gotta, can do a pretty good job of using motion to help you. The guy's a big-time player, no question about it. Um, they think he can have an early impact for him. And then uh, over in San Francisco, you know, they talk a great deal about how excited they are about Brendan Ayuk. And it's a little bit of a, you know, yeah, we love him. We had him ranked high and all that. And I, I absolutely believe that to be the case because he was worthy of that high of a grade. But they had him with the same grade as C.D. Lamb. And they would have, if they had taken a receiver, they say, maybe part of this is a little bit of a sell job, that they would have considered taking him at 13 if Javon Kinlaw had not been there. Um, so they really like the guy. They're really thrilled with him. And when you look at what, how this roster plays out with Kittle and Debo Samuel and Tevin Coleman, all really good at top of their positions and average yards after the catch, Ayuk can be another after-the-catch guy. That's what they look for. That's why they the quarterback that they like, they like him because distribute the football quickly, a lot of playmakers after the catch. So that's their plan. Let's take a look at the NFC West, shall we? Let's start with the Cardinals in their draft. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, Josh Jones, Leaky Fulton, Rashad Lawrence, Evan Weaver, Eno Benjamin. Um, Simmons' versatility is Impressive. He played 100 or more snaps in 19 at linebacker, strong safety, free safety, slot, edge defender. He could do everything you want. Cover, blitz, range. Um, incredible. Uh, didn't have a second-round selection. Um, they got DeAndre Hopkins. Let's throw that in. That's a second-round pick. Big-time get for them to add with Kyler Murray. Uh, Jones has plenty of starting experience from this time at Houston. 
Really got to work on his pass, uh, pass blocking skills, but he's graded out very, very well. Got really good left tackle feet. Leaky Foto and Rashad Lawrence are rotational defensive linemen. Limitations as pass rushers, but good players. So let's look at it. Eno Benjamin at 222. Very productive player. Um, slides in a role as a passing down specialist. Small frame, a little bit of fumble concerns. Um, he can be real effective in this offense and be a guy that can work in the rotation with with uh, Kenyon Drake. And, um, you know, we'll see. Certainly a little, maybe as much talent, a little bit more than Chase Edmonds. Be interesting to see that battle and how that plays out. <clears throat> Evan Weaver at 202. Three-year starter, team leader, captain, defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. Uh, his coverage skills and athleticism are limited. And this guy's production and mental wake makeup and instincts are really good. Outstanding run defender. Maybe a two-bound linebacker, but a really darn good one that's going to be a good special teams player. I think it's great value at 202. Rashad Lawrence, three-year captain at LSU, high motor, high character guy. Um, I think he's going to be a rotational guy. I don't think he's a starter. Leaky Foto is um, he's got a little bit more natural ability. He's got below average production, but he's got he's a powerful plugger who can potentially be a dominant player, much more so than he's been to this point. Josh Jones, as we mentioned, um, I, I think he's got a really good future. He's likely going to play right tackle across from D.J. Humphreys, but he's got potential as a left tackle. And, of course, uh, we've what we've said about the coverage skills and the versatility of Isaiah Simmons is, is nothing short of phenomenal. Let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers and what they were able to do with Javon Kinlaw and Ayuk and Colton McKivitz and Charlie Warner and Jawan Jennings. Um, busy first round, made two trades. They got Kinlaw. Um, they um, got a really good value a difference-making type player that can be a younger version of Buckner and a better version. Ayuk, we mentioned, could be real effective. Um, <clears throat> we got um, – they didn't have a day-two pick after trading away the third-round selection as part of the Emmanuel Sanders trade and the second-round pick as part of the D4 deal. But they were able to get uh, Trent Williams once they learned that Joe Staley was retiring. Uh, Jawan Jennings is a really good value as a late-round uh, pick for them. They did sign Darian Daniels, the Nebraska defensive tackle, one year, starting nose tackle at Nebraska. Uh, lacks speed, not real explosive, but size that can see what he can do and bang around in camp. Uh, Salvin Ahmed, a, a good running back at Washington, was signed. as an undrafted free agent. Don't know that um, – He's going to make it, but I think he's got practice squad capabilities. Notre Dame's wide receiver, Christian Finkel, uh, was a priority free agent for him. He can be a slot guy, like Juwan Jennings at 217 in the seventh round. 6'3", 215, arrived at Tennessee as a quarterback. Um, very explosive, runs a whole lot better than his time, and plays with more explosiveness. It's a big slot guy. 
that's what they like, I think he's got a chance to make this roster. Charlie Warner, the 190th overall pick, the tight end out of Georgia, part-time player for Georgia, uh, strong side blocker, lead blocker, uh, playing their two tight end sets. It can really help in the run game. Makes a lot of sense. You can see what they're doing with him. Marquise Goldwyn uh, was acquired from the Eagles. Uh, I mean, uh, was sent to the Eagles. They dropped six-round picks. I was able to make a move. Um, uh, the Eagles selected Jalen Rager in the first round to help the receiver room. So it made some sense there. The 49ers traded up with the Dolphins to select Colton McKivicks at 153. They shipped Matt Breida over to the Dolphins, obviously, with the log jam at running back. Makes some sense. But they get McKivitz. Lined up at left tackle as a senior at West Virginia. He's got experience at right tackle. Uh, really done a good job in pass protection. He's got nice skill set, swing tackle, rotational guard ability. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, of course, the move up with the Vikings to select Ayuk, 5'11", 205. Um, just, you know, Got good catch radius, playmaking ability with the ball in his hands. Um, I think he can help them early as a slot. I think he can help them as a return guy. I think he's outstanding. And I I think that Javon Kinlaw's special. I think he could be Chris Jones-type special. I think he's really good, really explosive, and I'm not so sure he wasn't the best defensive tackle in this draft. He's certainly the most explosive as a pass rusher. Um, Seattle, Jordan Brooks, Daryl Taylor, Damian Lewis, Colby Parkinson, DJ Dallas, Alton Robinson, Freddie Swain, Stephen Sullivan. From a run defensive standpoint and a ta- tackling perspective, um, Brooks is one of the best linebackers in this class, no doubt about it. Makes plays in space and in coverage. Um, got a lot of range. I probably is a little low on him. Um, but I still think they may have taken him a little high. Same with Daryl Taylor, who can line up on the edge, um, and he turned it down, uh, turned it on down the stretch. Um, really good-looking player. Really good-looking player. Uh, Damian Lewis is a physical run blocker that fits their gap run scheme. Alton Robinson, interesting pick there. Um, Parkinson has got big catch radius. Um they did sign Anthony Gordon as an undrafted free agent. Uh, got good physical profile. I think he's probably maxed out. Stephen Sullivan was an interesting pick for them at 251. Converted receiver that just grew out of the position. He's got good ability to be a detached Y and H. Um, he's a Jared Cook type of guy, red zone threat. Um along those lines. Probably not as good as Jared coming out of South Carolina, but along the same lines. Freddie Swain from Florida receiver, uh, 214. Uh, really good athletic profile. I mean, you can see in the three-cone drill, his ability to drop his weight, very good with the ball in his hands. Just hadn't been as productive as you hoped. Robinson of Syracuse, 6'3", 264. Um, really good shuttle time. Good movement skills. He can be a rotational piece on the edge, I feel. 
DJ Dallas at 144 has got versatility as a running back, can do some quarterback direct snap things. He can uh, did that at high school. So he got receiver skills, excellent hands, willing pass protector. And when you look at their injury situation at running back with Carson with the hip and Penny, makes some sense there. Colby Parkinson, the tight end at Stanford at 133, tall, angular, 6'7", 255, team captain. Um, you know, moves pretty well. He's got good strength, but not great strength to be an inline guy, but an intriguing big target guy. Damian Lewis at 69, big, wide-based, power gap lineman. Uh, that is a starting guard. Struggles a little bit with quickness, but's a really good run blocker. Daryl Taylor we talked about. Again, I think can be a sub-package guy early. And then uh, they think they've got a Bobby Ragnar type of clone in Jordan Brooks. So, listen, even though I think it's a little bit high, you know, if the guy's as good as – um, who knows? It turns out to be as good as they hope. Uh, who, who's to say it's too early? And then the Rams, Cam Akers and Van Jefferson and Terrell Lewis and Terrell Burgess and Bryson Hopkins and Jordan Fuller and Clay Johnston and Sam Sloman, and Tremaine Ankrum. Rams were left without a first-round selection uh, after as part of the Jalen Ramsey trade. So it became busy in round two. They got Cam Akers. Uh, they were able to get uh, got got good tools as a runner. Van Jefferson, very good hands, very good route runner. He's going to be 24, uh, but really good player. Can really fit their offense. More on that in a moment. They've got edge rusher Terrell Lewis of Alabama. Um, lots of pressures. I think best football is ahead of them. Burgess has a good versatile skill set with good cover skills uh, and in the slot and can man up on tight ends and big receivers, um, backs. And, um, you know, Bryson Hopkins is an interesting guy that um, not crazy about, not as high on him as some others, but I still think can help him uh, as a tight end in this offense. Tremaine Ankrum, the 250 selection out of Clemson, started 30 games for Clemson. I think he's a guard, good run blocker. Um, I think he can be a versatile guy that can help him. They did select Miami of Ohio kicker Sam Sloman. They're looking to replace Greg Zerline, a productive player. A uh, little bit surprised you went with him, but it's a good kicker. Clay Johnson, um, Johnston was the 234th overall pick. Uh, inside backer at Baylor, tore his ACL. Um, Really good coming downhill against the run. Can be over-aggressive. Come, come over that, that leg injury. He's got a chance to help him on special teams earlier and as a rotational linebacker. Uh, Jordan Fuller was taken at 199. Team captain at Ohio State. Single start, Started at single high safety there. Uh, good worker. Good off the field. Reliable tackler. Um, not real instinctive. That concerns me a little bit. But he's got an outside shot, I think, of making this team. Bryceen Hopkins, 6'4", 241, well-built kid. Uh, I think he could be a specialist. I think he can help. I'm curious to see if he can beat out Everett or Higby, at least make the team be their third tight end. 
Terrell Burgess, I like a lot. I like his upside. I think he could be a nickel corner, played in the box, played in the slot, played free. I think he's got good versatility. I think he can really help you early on special teams. Terrell Lewis, as I mentioned, good edge rusher in his own right. Van Jefferson, such a good route runner. He's the Ole Miss transfer, um, really good hands, really good route runner, uh, not real explosive. There, there's You look at um, with Cup and Woods and, and Josh Reynolds, this is a guy that kind of fits that same mold of a guy that you know, with compressed formations that can make plays and be where he's supposed to be, make it easy on the quarterback. And then Cam Akers. Very underrated runner. He's got to learn how to hit the hole with a little bit more decisiveness, but he'll compete. He's got good hands. He's got good speed. And, boy, no one accomplishes much with so little uh, in terms of help on the offensive line. So that's a look at the NFC West. Tomorrow we're going to take a look at the AFC North, and then we're going to finish up with a look at the NFC North on Thursday. But – That's a look uh, around the NFL today, and um, we will be back tomorrow, break down the world of college football on the college show and, of course, the NFL on this pro football show. Reminder again to check out the great folks at 401K Generation. 1-866-998-5879 is the number to call. Licensed in all 50 states. You want to reach out to them. No obligation phone call, but they can help you uh, achieve financial health in this tough environment, I think we all need some good advice. Check them out. You can even check out more about 401k generation on LandryFootball.com. And if we can help you promote your business, contact us over at LandryFootball.com. Uh, hey, contact Chris and uh, send us a note. And also send us a question if you want me to address it right here on the air. Make sure you're getting this podcast on your phone at Landry Football's conference call. And remember that you check out LandryFootball.com. Uh, We give you a lot more detailed information than we're able to give you here on this podcast. So we think this is a good complement to a membership to LandryFootball.com. We give you the best inside information of what's going on behind the scenes in the NFL and in college football. Everything from recruiting to college football analysis to draft prospects to NFL personnel. We got it all for you. So Check it out over at LandryFootball.com. Got the early 2021 NFL draft board checklist. Uh, We're working on uh, our recruiting board, so look for those state by state to come out, as well as a breakdown of the up-and-coming coaches around the world of college football and the NFL that you should know about. Uh, Breakdown of NFL rosters, breakdown of uh, college rosters. We're going to be doing an awful lot of that as we're going to get you ready for the football season better than You've ever been prepared before. Yes, we're preparing for that football season. No doubt about it. So uh, check it out. Uh, Oh, get our scouting season offer. You can try it out for a month, three months. The best offer we have is the 12-month offer, less than $5 a month. So take advantage of it today. It's like having your own scouting department um, at your disposal for less than $5 a month. You can't beat that. It's not a website. It's an opening the door, a peek behind the curtain of inside information, analysis from a longtime veteran coach scout that's going to bring you the insides of the game that you can't get anywhere else. So check us out today at LandryFootball.com. If you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. Hey, talk to you tomorrow and uh, talk to you over on the College Football Show. I'm Chris Landry. Be safe, everyone.